In this week's episode, you're going to learn about a rational approach to understanding youth athletics and fitness with my guest, Jim Kilbasso. Jim is a longtime strength and conditioning coach, and he is the president and CEO of the IYCA, the International Youth Conditioning Association. And my friends, this is an awesome session. Hey, everybody. My name is Scott Ardella, and welcome to the Ardella Training Podcast, where we bridge the gaps in strength, performance, and injury prevention. And I've got a great show for you today. And uh, honestly, if you are a coach, or especially if you're a parent, you must listen to this week's episode because the truth will be shared here about athletic training and development as it relates to youth sports. And there's just some great insights in this session. I had a a blast doing this chat with Jim and I know you're going to love it. So before we get into that, and uh, this is going to be a very brief intro and we're going to get right into the session here, but I do want to let you know about something Uh, I almost didn't even get this episode out this week. It's been a little bit crazy this week because what I'm doing right now is sharing some free video training sessions from the Revolution Strong Summit. Uh, Just to tell you very briefly, the Revolution Strong Summit was an event that we did about a year ago with over 30 of the top industry experts And uh, just an amazing online event that we did. If you're interested in learning about that and learning about the free videos that I'm giving out right now this week, and this is very time sensitive because I'm only sending out these uh, free videos along with uh, the PDF transcriptions. I'm only doing that this week only until this Friday, December the 8th. So you have to subscribe over at the Revolution Strong Summit, actually the the website address is revolutionstrongsummit.com. You could go there. I just shot a, a recent video explaining a little bit more, and certainly you can read on the page there about what this is that I'm doing, but it is very, very time sensitive. So if you're not on my list already, if you're not a subscriber already, because some of this content has been going out to those that are interested. So if you're interested in this, please go and subscribe right now. And you're going to get access to the videos and PDFs. Um, If you're subscribing today, you're going to get tomorrow's lesson and you will get everything that you've missed over the past uh, two days that I've already sent out. But you'll get everything as I'm basically compiling everything in the emails uh, so that if you miss anything, you can basically subscribe and you're going to get everything that you missed from the previous day's lesson. So these lessons include... Uh, segments from the Gray Cook session, the Dr. Kelly Sturette session, Dr. Stuart McGill. And you know what? There may be some surprises in there too. So stay tuned for that. Again, go to revolutionstrongsummit.com. You can learn more about it. And uh, if you want, please subscribe so you don't miss anything. And you will get some great free content by way of video and PDF transcriptions. So Okay, enough about the Revolution Strong Summit. Let's get into the session this week with Jim Kilbasso. Again, if you're a coach, and especially if you're a parent, this is a must listen to. And uh, I had a blast doing it. I think you're going to get a lot of value out of it, a lot of great pearls in here. And uh, I am so glad that Jim came on the show and we had this great discussion. So let's uh, do it, guys. Let's get right into the show. Hope you enjoy it. I'll come back at the end and circle back to close the show down. Enjoy. 
All right, guys, Jim Kilbasso is a longtime strength and conditioning coach and is the director of the Total Performance Training Center in Michigan, where he trains athletes every day. Jim is also the president and CEO of the IYCA, the International Youth Conditioning Association, and he's got a podcast called The Impact Show. Jim has written many books and created courses in the area of sport training and conditioning. Jim, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. I think this is going to be a great learning session for myself and the audience. And uh, let's start out with this. Jim, you've done a lot in the industry. What's been the highlight of your professional career so far? Mm, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Scott. I'm very excited. When you asked me about uh, doing the podcast, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. You know, we can learn more about each other and share some cool stories. So uh, I really appreciate you having me on, first of all. Um, highlight of my career, um, you know, there's there's been a few things, I guess. A lot of the NFL Combine stuff that I do has been uh, amazing getting to work with the University of Michigan um, to do their combine prep it was certainly a highlight for me and, and continues to be. Um, taking over my new role as the president of the IYCA was very, very exciting to me and kind of a game changer. Um, you know, opening up total performance back in 2002 and uh, winning some championships as a college strength coach. Like I've had a bunch of highlights, you know, professionally that I, I don't know if I can narrow it down to one. Um, right, but right. it's it's kind of interesting when you ask me, though, you know, that question, like all these memories come up, you know, of like doing these things. So um, sorry that I can't narrow it down to one thing, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I feel like I've, I've really enjoyed a lot of things in my career. So it's been a good ride. Yeah. I'm sure there's several highlights and that's probably a tough question to answer. <laughs> but <laughs> again, I know you've done a lot. Uh, you mentioned the university of Michigan, Michigan in there. So do you work, uh, with, uh, Fergus Conley? So I, kind of, um, yeah, be before Fergus was hired, uh, back, I guess this is like five years ago. Uh, the, the, the former strength coach, uh, who's now with the New York giants, Aaron Wellman actually hired me to start doing their combine prep for their graduating seniors. So I go to, I go, go onto campus and, and train all their guys getting ready for the combine and pro day. Um, after I guess it was two years, uh, the switch, the, the whole staff switched. So Jim Harbaugh came in and Fergus came in shortly thereafter as um, their director of sports science. But things have changed so rapidly there that now he's like uh, he's like football operations and sports science and this and that. Like he does so many things. So yeah. um, after he got there, we started uh you know, we struck up kind of a, a good relationship. So now I know him pretty well. And he's actually speaking at, um, he's speaking at the IYCA summit this April. And, uh, it's been, it's been cool. He's a great guy. Do you know Fergus pretty well? I, I had him on the show recently and we had a great awesome. chat. I'm reading game changer, which is literally a game changer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing book. Um, we can talk about books a little bit as we go, but I mean, I, I read a lot of books. I don't think I've ever read anything like this. It's really, um, an amazing um, piece of work that that he did. That he's it is assembled it is there. quite different. Yes. Now you mentioned the IYCA. Let's let's uh, talk about that. Let's jump ahead. Um, I was going to save those questions for later, but um, talk about what's going on there. It, it's been a big transition. You've been with the IYCA for a year. Um, and let's actually go big picture. What is it? What is the mission behind the organization? And then talk about how you ended up there. Awesome. Um, so 
the the mission for the IYCA, at least in in now it is, um, I think it always has been, is essentially to create great training experiences for all young athletes all over the world. Um, when it was originally started by Brian Grasso back in, I think it was 2005, um, I had no part of it, didn't know anything about it. Um, interestingly, I've never even met Brian, uh, although he sent me a Facebook message um, when when I signed on with the IOICA about a year ago. Um, and the at the time, it there were there were so many bad things going on in youth fitness. Um, people just not knowing how to deal with kids and how to train young athletes. So the mission then was just to spread good information. They brought a lot of great trainers and coaches together um, to start giving the people who were w- working with the kids better information, kind of arm them with uh, with better tactics to, to use with the athletes. I, I feel like today you know, there's more people out there that are training young athletes. So there's a lot more information out there. And kind of our mission now is to continue that educational process, but also to to get all of these coaches to understand what a huge impact they're making on these young kids. Um, sometimes as young, some people work with kids as young as six, you know, and then all the way up through high school. Um, a, a lot of our audience is uh, sports performance training center type of coaches. So, you know, we get a variety of kids from young kids, you know, that are just starting out to kids getting ready for college. And uh, the, the mission is to really bring great information to these coaches so that they can be cutting, uh, you know, on the cutting edge of training and also just really to understand how, how important their role is in some of these kids' lives. So, the way I got involved was several years ago, uh, they, they asked me, the people that were running it at the time asked me to come and, um, come check it out at a conference. I did that. Then they asked me to speak. Um, eventually that turned into me doing a couple of products and writing their, uh, their speed certification for them. And uh, a lot of changes occurred in the IYCA, um, organizational structure, over the last maybe uh, let's just say two or three years and eventually it was about a year ago a little bit more than that um we got in talks about me uh taking over so uh, that's kind of my that's kind of my role and i i think because of my involvement in the iyca and what i had already done it seemed kind of like a natural fit and um it's a you know it's a big it's a big responsibility i feel like i have kind of the weight of uh, all these kids on my shoulders to make sure that we're doing the right things for kids all over the world and to educate these coaches so that, you know, parents know they can send their kids to somebody who's qualified and is going to uh, be a good role model for their kids. And that doesn't always happen, uh, as I'm sure, you know, you've seen all sorts of crazy stuff happening in the fitness industry. So I feel like I feel like we have uh, a big responsibility, but it's an exciting time in 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 the world of youth fitness and sports training because so many more people are now taking advantage of it. What do you see as the big problems or challenges in the area of youth athletic training? What what are the things that need to be fixed? Um, you know, a, a big problem is that a lot of, a lot of coaches look at training young athletes as either, uh, just small adults, 
so they don't know exactly what to do with them. Um, they look at it as strictly like like a science project, like just the training when really the kids need to be looked at in a much more uh, big picture kind of view so that you can understand everything that's going on in their lives and, and, um, and fit the training into those into those in, into the right, you know, make it the right piece of the puzzle essentially. Um, and a lot of, a lot of coaches, uh, struggle with either focusing only on trying to make money by running programs, or they struggle because, uh, they're so interested in just training kids that they can't make money. So they can't run a business effectively. And then they go out of business and then these great coaches aren't out there making an impact on kids' lives. Um, I, I think that there's also a lot of just flat out wasted time and misinformation uh, that a lot of sport coaches now have kind of taken it upon themselves. They see these sports performance training centers going up and feel like, why are you know, we don't need to send kids there and we don't need to pay for this kind of stuff. We'll just throw out some cones and and um, have kids run through them. And, and, and that's, that's, that's our speed training and that's our, you know, strength and conditioning program. And we can check that box off. And so kids aren't really getting what they, what they need. They're just getting stuff, you know, and they're running around burning off calories and, uh, kind of wasting their time. They're not getting the results, uh, as a result of that. And, and I feel like a lot of kids don't enjoy sports, uh, because they're not getting the right stuff. Um, and then, there's a huge problem with um, with the sports scene today with young kids where it's really become more about adults than it has the kids. And it's about making money. It's about parents' egos and coaches' egos trying to win games with, you know, nine and 10 year old kids rather than developing them and having a good sport experience for them. So part of what we do is try to educate people as to how to. Uh, you know, how to handle all of this and, and how to be better coaches. What are your thoughts on early specialization? Good thing, bad thing. Um, we hear a lot about it these days. There, there does seem to be a lot of pressure uh, from coaches, from parents. Um, what, what are your thoughts? And when is it appropriate? And maybe even what sport is appropriate or necessary to specialize at a younger age? Yeah, that's a great question because I'm glad you put it that way at the end, because different sports are going to have different timelines, essentially. And in general, early sports specialization is not the answer. Unfortunately, kind of what I alluded to earlier, there's so much pressure on these kids to now be part of this giant sports machine and you've got to make the club team. And if you don't make the club team when you're nine, you're never going to make it. You know, you're not even going to make your high school soccer team or your high school volleyball team or you know, a, a hockey team or whatever it is. And the, the parents get sucked right into it. Um, and, and I don't blame them. You know, they don't necessarily know any better and they want what's right for their kids. So they, they stick a kid into a hockey program, for example, at an early age and the kid never has time to do anything else for the rest of his or her life. And it's unfortunate that the statistics show that kids who specialize in sports early, it's uh, I, I can't remember the exact figure, but it's almost 80 percent of them drop out of sports altogether by age 14 wow. because they're just sick of it. It's not yeah. fun anymore anymore. And, um, and parents have turned it into what they want, not just parents, but adults. 
And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people making money out there doing this and trying to get kids to not play other sports. And it seems there, there seems to be a ton of evidence and, and the evidence is mounting now with different scientific uh, research articles being published uh, all the time now that 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 early sports specialization actually leads to more injuries, burnout, dropout, and does not get kids to play professional sports any more so than than waiting a little bit and letting kids have a, a, a diverse experience, diverse sports experience early on. Now, that being said, it you know, if your daughter, for example, is super interested in gymnastics, well, you can't get to the elite level of gymnastics without diving in to gymnastics at a very early age um, because they peak so early that they have to get through all of these preliminary uh, uh, skills before they get scared of doing them and before they uh, they get too big because once you're an adult, like all these skills are just very, very, very difficult. I don't think that in general, uh, gymnastics centers do a great job of allowing kids to be kids. Um, my, my, I had a son that was in gymnastics for a long time and, um, they take up a lot of time. I mean, yeah, by, yeah. by 10 years old, they want kids there four hours a day, four to five days a week. Well, I mean, how's a wow. kid supposed to have a life, right. you know, and, and you know, they, they'll, they'll say, Oh, well, we're doing, you know, we're doing, uh, other activities. Um, but the, the fact is like you get out of school at three o'clock and if you have to be there for four hours, you're there until bedtime. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, it's, it, it's kind of crazy. It really is. And I, I, I do get that some of those kids make it to the Olympics, but the number of people that actually succeed is so astronomically low that, you know, you sometimes shake your head and you think like, what is this all for? Like, what, what are we doing here? Why are, why are families moving to other parts of the country and uprooting, you know, every everything to have somebody uh, train for some level of sports success that there's a really good chance that it's that's not even going to happen. And um and it's it's unfortunate because I get I get that whole concept of hey my kid's talented I'll do anything for my kid to to succeed and you know uh, you know if my kid says they want it let's do it but sometimes parents have to take a step back and realize like yeah my kid is very talented um, but I'm not gonna I'm not going to ruin my kid's childhood right. just to do this right um, and that's a uh, it's kind of crazy I, I think that. I think it really depends also on the club or the coach. Um, my son's gymnastics coach was an incredible man and he was, um, he got it. He understood the whole concept of, of having a, a life. Um, unfortunately he passed away at a very early age, um, in, in an accident. And it, it wow. was, a, that, that was, that's when I really realized what an impact coaches make on kids' lives because it yeah. completely, completely devastated my son. Um, wow. but, Man. but there are, there are other coaches that, uh, 
that do a really good job. Also, I know there's a, there's a soccer group in our area who has all these elite level girls that all go on to play college. And, you know, one of the coaches is saying, you know, Hey, I'm trying to organize things outside of soccer. Like during our soccer practice, we're going to play other, other games and we're going to do other things because she gets that the kids get burned out and they need other experiences. Other people are not so much like that, you know? And so I think (laughs) parents looking at, you know, who do I turn to, to have my, for my kid to have a great experience. It's a, it's kind of a crapshoot, unfortunately, you know, you're going to have great coaches and you're going to have bad coaches. And once you sign on to a team, you've got at least a year with them. And then it's very difficult to change clubs. If, you know, do do you have kids that have played sports in clubs? I I do. I have two uh, daughters right now and they're both uh, doing volleyball and um, we're also looking at lacrosse. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. I mean, what, what would be your recommendation for youth, you know, let's say between eight, eight and 12, uh, doing other sports outside of their, their primary sport, good idea, bad idea. Amazing idea. Okay. Uh, That's my feeling. That's yeah. my feeling. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I mean, especially you know, by about age 14 or 15, uh, the, you know, if a kid is showing some real talent and real promise in a sport, um, it's okay to then start narrowing things down up until then. Um, and in my opinion, anybody that tells you like, no, 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 you cannot play more than one sport. You have to focus on whatever volleyball year round. That's a huge mistake because that's going to get the kids to hate the sport eventually. Um, are they going to get a little bit better, you know, than if they were not playing year round? Maybe. But it's amazing to see how many kids that say in your in your case, they play volleyball and they take a they take a season off to go play lacrosse. Yeah. Well, now they come back to volleyball uh, oftentimes as better athletes, better competitors. Yes. Um, they understand uh, they understand competition better. They are refreshed. Um, they they feel like they want to attack that sport. But. I don't know how you, you know, what your sporting experience was like, but I remember as a kid, I loved playing sports and I also loved when a season ended because I could move on to something else. And I, and I, I really loved that like week or two that I had off between sports seasons, um, to kind of just enjoy things. But then it felt great to jump back into another sport season. That was something different. If I had to play one sport my entire life all the way through, I don't know. I don't think I would have enjoyed it very much. And um, so, you know, dad to dad, my recommendation would be, yeah, absolutely. Have your daughters play other sports, especially at that age. Let them enjoy lots of different things, even if even if it's like a sometimes it's just like a once a week thing. Like if if they want to take a dance class once a week and, you know, they're not, yes. you know, do it, do it. I, I don't know any person. um who has ever looked back as an adult and said, dang, I I wish I wouldn't have done so many things growing up. I wish I wouldn't have played so many sports. You know, it's always, I wish I would have done more, you know? So, uh, uh, and I, and, and a lot of professional athletes that I've trained, they all played multiple sports. They didn't specialize early, um, for the most part. And, um, and the chances are your daughters aren't going to be professional volleyball players because there's <laughs> just really not that big of a market for that. So yeah. especially for female athletes, yeah. um, like what is the what what is the draw to uh, ruin somebody's life possibly for 
for what, you know, volleyball is going to end at some point. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it gets a little bit crazy. Volleyball is great. And, um, the girls love it. They really do. And awesome. they're, yeah, they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to take it to the highest level based on their height. They're, they're going to be short like their mom and like their dad. <laughs> but, uh, again, my, my thought is to expose them. They also do dance as you mentioned in there. Uh, cool. so my thought is to expose them to different things. And then I train them myself. I, actually my, my 11 year old, I, I train her, we do strength and conditioning work and I'm trying to get into that with my, my seven year old, my little one. And uh, that's been a little bit more challenging, but my my point um, with the the volleyball in particular, I have seen and talked to parents in their group, and they have been all in on focusing on a single sport on volleyball, mm-hmm. and it's been shocking to me um, to to see that. And I'm just, I don't know, I don't know if it's coming from the coach or, or really from the parent. It seems like it's more the parent mindset because I feel like the coach is there and I don't know them really well. I'm getting to know them, but they, they seem like they're really good coaches. And we know there's good coaches and bad coaches like you mentioned. But um, I do think that in most instances in today, there is a mindset, there's a widespread belief that, uh, that you have to specialize early uh, and this is the mindset from a parent. Absolutely. I mean, I see it all the time and parents really freak out um, at the thought of their kids having a bad experience later on. And what I mean by that is parents of seven, eight, nine and 10 year olds are worried that their daughter's not going to make a high school varsity team at some point in their life. And right. that's going to devastate their child. Yeah. Well, I mean they might not even want to play by then or, you know, like you, <laughs> right. we don't know. We don't know like if, if they're not going to make their team or sometimes kids need to be devastated. You know, it's not, not devastated in a terrible way, but, um, we all, you know, grew up with people getting cut from sports or not starting or, you know, changing our minds. And that's part of life, you know, and I, I, I feel like people get too, um, controlling, if you will, like they want to control their child's destiny and, and say like, well, my, my child has to pick something now because if they don't, they're never going to have a sport experience in high school. And so we have to pick a sport for them now and put, go, go all in. Um, you know, you've seen that mindset and, uh, the reality is like, if your kid's a good athlete, they're going to get better at that sport and they don't have to play year round to get to that point. And, um, once they get a little bit older, then sure, focus on something. Uh, but it, it, it's too bad. Cause yeah, you know, I'd say maybe five or 10% of those girls, uh, love it and go on to play, um, college volleyball and, uh, you know, and are really into it. Um, and then a bunch of others, uh, they, that's just not in the, it's not in the cards, you know, like, I don't know how your daughter's clubs club is, but there's a lot of clubs in all sports that are set up, you know, with like an A team, a B team, a C team. Yes, yes. Um, you know, if if your child is on a B or C team and they're 13 years old and you're spending thousands of dollars a year, um, at some point you got to recognize that, hey, either my kid's just not 
good or my kid's not into it yeah. or it was just the wrong mix of, uh, of coaching talent and, uh, and motivation that it's not in the cards for my kid to play college sports. So at that point, now what, now, what do you do? You know, do you back off a little bit? Like let, let the kid in, enjoy it instead of just pushing them into practicing every single day, knowing that the end result is probably not going to be there. It's just a, you know, each situation is different, yeah, you know, and I yeah. get that. And as a dad of three kids, you know, I understand how, how these things affect a whole household. Um, but parents, I think in general should kind of take a step back and, and, and realize that, Hey, things are going to work out the way they're supposed to work out. Most of the time, put your kids in a position to be great athletes, overall athletes, all around athletes. And then the sports skills are going to come. I've never seen an amazing athletic kid not be able to pick up a sport later on. Um, but I see all the time kids that have really, really good sports skills. So a, a girl maybe who can serve a volleyball really well, but is a terrible athlete. They, they, there's a huge or a really, really low ceiling on that kid, because if you can't move around the court, then you you're not going to be out there. And then all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden you're not you're not even on the team anymore. You know, so being a better all around athlete by experiencing lots of different uh, sports and and training methods like that's that seems to be the way to go for most kids. So just to summarize, be a multi sport athlete at a early age and then maybe around the age of 14 start to specialize or focus in on that one sport. I would say in general, that's a great path. Yeah. Okay. It, okay. I, but I, but I get, I mean, right now, if there's a hockey coach out there, there's, they're probably saying, no, no, no. Like we have, our season is almost year round. Like there's no way to not do it. That's right. Um, that's right. Okay. I get it. You know, if you've got a kid who is super, <laughs> super talented, go for it. Um, but when I see high school JV teams, uh, like in, in Michigan, if you're on a high school team, you're not probably going to play in college or uh, in the pros. High school hockey is um, a, a much lower tier than the travel hockey in this area, at least. So if you're on a high school JV team and you're practicing or on the ice six days a week, uh, you know, 45 months out of the year, at, at, at some point you got to take a step back and to me think like, what, what's going on here? Why are we doing this? Who, who's making money and what, or, or what's the goal? Yeah. Um, yeah. are we trying to enjoy sport for what it is? Are we teaching them lessons or are we getting kids to, to, to get burned out and not want to do this? And, uh, there's a fine line. It's, it's hard to balance all that. So I, I get it. I get it that, that kids do need to focus on sports if they're going to be really, really good at them certain kids, uh, but we just have to keep things in mind. So yeah, I would say your summary is accurate. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Jim, where do you see kids uh, today compared to maybe 20 years ago from a physical fitness standpoint, from a movement standpoint, um, posture, I mean, all that better or worse than we were 20 years ago? Well, all the statistics point to us getting worse. Uh, obesity has skyrocketed over the last 10 to 20 years. Um, didn't see, seem to be as big of a problem um, 20 years ago. I, I don't want to come off like I'm one of those guys that just sits here and says, like, everything used to be better, you know, and, and it, you know, if we could all just go back to the good old days, it's, <laughs> it's not like that. You know, there are lots of great things happening. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, that, that's um, a very great point because I think, I think you're right. I don't mean to interrupt there, but I think you're right because it is always, Oh, it was so great, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And, um, I came across something recently within the last day that that was the message really, but there are a lot of great things that are happening today. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I think we live in an amazing time there's so many great opportunities for people. It's almost like there's too many opportunities and people don't know what to do. Um, I, I actually, uh, th- this is going to make me sound a little bit old, especially to any kid that would possibly be listening. But, um, I, I do think that the hardest or the worst thing that ever happened for the younger generation is to have the internet in their pockets 24 hours a day. It is such a, a distraction and, um, and I actually sympathize for them. Uh, I, you know, I, I feel bad because, man, if I was growing, you know, when I was growing up, if I was sitting listening to my science or social studies teacher lecture and I didn't enjoy it, I wasn't interested in that lecture. If I knew that in my pocket, like at my fingertips was endless entertainment of any kind that I wanted just right there, I could I could go into whatever I wanted to do. It would be really hard to sit and concentrate and learn how to um, how to sit still and learn how to wait in line and wait for things. Um, it, it it's very difficult, and I think it's given kids uh, the opportunity to to really sit around a lot, um, to spend too much time watching. Uh, videos, playing video games. Um, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, some of those things, but it's harder to balance life. I think now with all that technology, um, I think also physical education has really changed quite dramatically. We went through a period, uh, back in, I guess it was probably in the eighties where they switched from more of a physical literacy type of program where there's a lot of calisthenics and, and, uh, teaching sports or I'm, I'm sorry, teaching movement skills. You know, I remember, you know, when we were taught how to run and throw and skip and hop and all these things. And it went into more of a, a, a sport based model where the, the, the idea was if we expose kids to lots of different sports at an early age, um, they're eventually going to find something that they like and then they're going to want to do it. And that, that will keep them active. Um, unfortunately, the, that idea while good in theory, like if, if you're just introducing kids to a sport for a few weeks, you never get good at it. And if you're not good at a sport, it's not fun. So you you don't end up picking it and and wanting to go further with it. Um, so that model I think has kind of backfired where now kids look at it like, you know, we don't want to play this sport now because we're moving on to another sport. And, um, and they're also not getting the fitness component. So uh, the other thing that's happened with physical fitness is it's been cut to such an extent um, due to, uh, well, lots of different political reasons, but budgetary cuts and um, people thinking that we need to hammer math and science down kids' throats way more than um, than physical literacy. Uh, now kids most of the time get about 30 to 40 minutes of phys ed a week. And that's, a, that's in a good school. There are lots of schools around the country that don't get any phys ed. Their, their recesses, uh, uh are, are very different than they were when, when I was growing up, when you're running around and you had amazing playgrounds and everything. Now there's people worried about getting hurt on a playground. So equipment gets taken off and kids can only play certain games. It's just, it's changed a lot. And again, some of it's good. 
And some of it is not allowing kids to be kids and run around. Uh, something else that, that, I've, that I've observed with kids is that, uh, you know, back in the, you know, whatever, 70s, 80s, um, kids had to go outside. Things weren't structured as much. So they had to go outside and play games and make up their own rules and just make things happen because um, things weren't as structured. You know, parents let you go outside and, and kind of play for the whole afternoon. Um, today, kids are so used to everything being structured for them that unless there's an adult or a coach saying, okay, here's, here's what we're doing now, uh, kids, a lot of kids just don't know how to organize things on their own. So you don't see as much pickup basketball. You don't see as many backyard baseball games going on. You don't see kids playing pickle in the street um, because there's not somebody, there's not a coach there, you know, and some of it's that the kids are overscheduled because they're on a club team and they have practice five nights a week. So they don't have time to go outside and play pickup basketball. You know, they've got their own practice scheduled with their, with their paid coach and everything. So it's, um, it, it has really changed and it's going to be very interesting to see the, the long-term ramifications when the kids that are currently in, you know, high school that have had that their whole life, that structure, it'll be interesting to see how they turn out um, as adults from a physical literacy and a physical fitness standpoint. I, I, my guess is the, the, you know, it's going to follow the same trend that we're on right now. And there's going to be a lot more obesity and, um, and health issues because of these things, uh, not to mention the terrible diets that, you know, that we also have now. That's a separate subject. But. <laughs> right, right. Uh, is there a solution uh, in in your opinion or is this kind of going down a rabbit hole? Is talking about it going down a rabbit hole or it, it is uh, try, trying to find is, a solution? That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, is it, is there really not a good solution to where things are headed? Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't personally have the, the right solution for the world. Um, I think just like happens in a lot of politics these days, people get so divided and think that they're right and they want to push their own agenda that, you know, even when even in uh, like, you know, like a government situation where they're trying to pass policies on physical education and fitness and different health programs, health initiatives, you get people who are so divided on on just keeping kids healthy, which to me is crazy, but you know, it it turns into like, no, no, this is, this is the right way to do it. No, this is the right way to do it. So big decisions are difficult to make because people, um, who don't have a background and aren't in the trenches are making decisions. Um, even, even like on school lunches, things as simple as school lunches, there's so there's so much politics that goes into, um, who gets the contracts and what we should be feeding kids and, um, and that kind of stuff. To, to me, it's crazy that um, that politics have gone so far in a divided direction that that we can't even, you know, make good decisions for what kids should should or shouldn't be eating in school um, that I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be able to make sweeping decisions. I think it's going to have to come more as a grassroots effort from parents. And I think eventually parents are going to have to realize that, yeah, it is much easier to tell your kids like you know, at an early age, can you just sit there and watch TV so that I can get something done that, which, I mean, that's a super easy trap to fall into. Like, Oh, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm busy as a parent here. Here's my phone. Just play a game for a little while. Um, uh, eventually I think parents are going to have to realize that this is not, this is not working. 
Yeah. And, and parents <laughs> are going to have to, to do something and say like, yeah. no, you, you can't have your own phone when you're, you know, six years old, you're going to have to wait till you're a little bit older. And, um, we're going to have to cut, you know, ha- have time limits on these things. I think it's really going to have to come from parents. And unfortunately, I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> parenting is getting any better, um, these days either. So it, it, that's a, like you said, it's kind of a rabbit hole. I'm not sure I have a, an answer I, you know, for you. I, I think I, that actually was an answer. I think that's, you know, like the, uh, you said there are grassroots efforts. Uh, you know, I look at, you know, my, my girls, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll walk by and I'll see them kind of like flopping on the couch or something like that. And I try to think about, you know, what their day was like. So maybe they're, they're spent and they just need some downtime to just chill and watch some TV. And that's, that's good. But if yeah. that is excessive, you know, I'm like, Hey guys, let's go for a walk. You know, let's, let's go out into the uh, garage. Let's swing a kettlebell. Let's, let's do so. Let's get moving. Let's go grab your volleyball. Let's hit, you know I mean? My number one job is being a dad and a role model to those two girls, you know? So it just, when I see that, you know, I don't, I don't want, um, too much of that going on. You know I mean? I want them to be active and, and the whole, um, uh, device, uh, thing that you talked about, the technology, that's another thing too. And I'll just share my personal thing there is that I think that as parents, we need to teach our kids around what is the proper etiquette with devices. Devices mm-hmm. do not replace live interaction. So when you're with people, and I see this a lot, you know, kids, young kids that are in group settings and they're just on their device, they're doing a social media or whatever that's not going to be my kids. You know I mean? That's not, you know, they're there, they're around people. They're going to have conversations, you know? So it's just teaching them there's a right time and a, a, a not so right time to use your devices. And you don't want to be really addicted to these, the technology that we have. And my girl, one other last thing there is, you know, they're girls. So they're not into like the games and things like that. So kind of fortunate with that. So yeah, it's a it it turns everything in this conversation kind of comes back to parenting and uh, <laughs> yeah, it really it, does. It, it 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 does make me realize that um something that we have kind of started to do slowly is uh do some I'll call it marketing but like some outreach to parents. For so long the IYCA was just about uh putting out information for coaches. So we have certifications and coaching programs, you know, that teach trainers and coaches what to do. Um, but there wasn't anything for parents. Um, there was no programming, there was no education. So something that we, uh, over the last year have kind of made a decision to do is at least go down that path. And interestingly, I was just, I was just recently looking at some stats that we just started, uh, keeping over maybe, uh, maybe a couple months. Um, at the number of people who are asking for information uh, from the IYCA, and one of the, they have to they have to check a box. You know, what are you? Are you uh, what describes you best? Are you a coach, a, a sport coach, a trainer, or a parent of a, of a child? And you know, people told me, oh no no, the IYCA is just all about coaches. Don't worry about the parents. But it's it's almost up to 40% of the people that are looking for information are parents. That's what they're saying is their first, you know, that, that best describes them. So wow. I, I really do think that parents are out there looking for information. Uh, it, there's just not a lot of great information and, you know, 
kind of like you said, parents also have to get up and do stuff with their kids. And I don't think, I don't think anybody told us, uh, you know, when we were younger, how difficult parenting is, you know, it's a, it's a hard job. It's a big responsibility. And I think a lot of, a lot of parents, they don't want the responsibility. They, they want to, they want to be parents, but they want to have their own lives too. And, you know, they want to post on social media just as much as their kids want to post on social media about the things they're doing. And it's, uh, it's, it's, you know what, you know what it comes down to? It's hard being an adult because we have responsibilities and adults are going to eventually have to take responsibility for their, for their children's, uh, decisions and behaviors so that those kids can, you know, can ultimately make better decisions down the road. And Hey, as a dad, I get it. It's difficult, but we all have to do it. Yeah. You know, the social media thing is really, again, we could talk a lot about that. My simple thing that I'm trying to teach them, and they're not on any social media, but when they do, my big message is going to be to, for them to add value. I mean, that's, that's the mm. biggest thing. It's not, you know, connect and all that stuff, but so many people, in my opinion, use social media the, the wrong way. And a lot of people that I follow use social media the right way. And they're adding value. They're making my life better. They're sharing great content and great things. And, um, I think that we can all do that. Even if you don't have an online business or whatever, add value to, uh, to people's lives, help people in some way through social media. So we, we could go on for so, uh, <laughs> talking about social media for at least another hour, but right. let's not even start. Right. Uh, let's talk about IYCA since we've talked, uh, quite a bit about that. There's a lot of things I'm not going to be able to get to, but someone lands on the website, IYCA.org. Where, where do they start as a coach? And then also as a parent, you have 40% of people that are parents. Where where do they, where should they go? So, uh, probably the, the best place to go is our, our free information. We've got a, a blog essentially that has so much awesome information on there from amazing coaches, um, from all over the world. And there's a ton of just outstanding free content that is on there. Um, a lot of people will go to, uh, our, you know, about us so that they want to learn more about what the organization is all about. And then, you know, one of the more natural places to go is, uh, to our, to our store to see what kind of products are offered. And inside there, you can see like, do you, are you, are you a parent and you just want to get information for your kids? So you're going to pick something that's more, uh, that's more training based or, you know, we have programs that are downloadable right on train heroic on a free app so that, you know, a parent can put a kid through a workout. Um, or are you more of a coach and you're, you want more and you want to get certified. So you you want to learn more about, you know, how to actually do the coaching rather than just with your own kid. Um, so th- that's kind of the, the, the natural path. There's so much free stuff. And then people naturally are like, naturally think, well, if this, you know, I, I want, I want more information. I want to get more into it. So they end up going to to the store and, and finding out more about what they can do. And then last thing is coming to our events. Um, we've got some awesome events. Our, our, our summit is in April in Detroit. And this year we're adding a, a West coast symposium out in LA, February 10th. And, um, you know, people who are really into this kind of stuff may want to attend one of our events and get kind of more involved in, in the community aspect. So that's on the events tab you said to learn more about that. 
Yep, exactly. Okay. On the events tab. And then we've got a, a program called IYCA Insiders, which is essentially our membership kind of area where uh, there's a private Facebook page where people can interact with coaches all over the world and um, get monthly uh, exclusive content that's in there. So we've got several different options and several different levels, just depending on what people are most interested in. Going back to what you said a minute ago, you said parents can actually purchase programs mm-hmm. if they want. So this is like sports specific type of training programs. Um, it's not so much sports specific. So we're not teaching kids like how to hit a baseball or how to kick a soccer ball. It's more, um, it's more general fit, physical fitness and sports performance kind of training. Um, now there are, there are specific programs for like, you know, a parent could buy a, a, a soccer training program, a lacrosse training program, a football training program. So yes, it is sports specific in that sense, if that's what you were saying. Yeah, that's right. So like a strength and conditioning for lacrosse or for football or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, we have those. And then there are also just general, uh, strength programs or speed programs. Um, and uh, those are, I don't know if you've ever used Train Heroic or heard much about it, but uh, we started using using them for these programs. And it's really cool because parents can download the app right on their phone. It's free. The program then pops up. Uh, every, every exercise has a video that they can click on that goes right along with it. It's got tips and everything. So it's pretty, it's very user-friendly and pretty, pretty slick. So people kind of like the, the idea of being able to, to download it just like that. Fantastic. Jim, let me ask you a little bit about uh, your podcast. I see we're winding down on our time here uh, today. Uh, the Impact Show. Tell me, tell the audience a little bit about that show and um, why your venture into podcasting and what you think about podcasting at this point. Well, you and I obviously <laughs> know that we love podcasting, and I think it's a I think it's a really very cool way to spread information and, and get to know people and. Uh, it's great entertainment. You know, you can pick what you want to listen to rather than just whatever's on the radio. And I really enjoy that. Um, so maybe two years ago, I started thinking that no one was really talking about uh, the impact that coaches, trainers and sports performance businesses um, are making on the people around them. So uh, what I what I realized was everything is kind of science based and training based and uh, or business based. So people were out there talking about the different scientific methods and how they're training athletes. But people weren't really so much talking about um, like the, the impact that they're making and how they're making an impact and what they're doing to purposefully make a, a difference in people's lives. So kind of the goal was to, was to insert a little bit of that into every discussion that I have with, with coaches. So we've had, we've had some pretty outstanding guests on the show and it, we always circle back to the differences that people are making in other people's lives. Um, sometimes people don't even recognize what a difference they're making in people's lives until it's pointed out to them. And, um, so it's, it's kind of, it, we get into training and we get into all that kind of cool stuff in business, but it's also, uh, we always kind of come back to, you know, you know, you're making a difference in people's lives and do you, do you recognize that? And how do you, how do you insert that in, in a purposeful way? What's an episode or two that uh, the listeners here could should go and check out? Um, the interview with well, there, there's a, there's a bunch of them. The interview with Mike Boyle was early on um, that was fantastic. Eric Cressy had a, a, a great uh, we had a great discussion. Um, Haley Perlis, she's a, a sports psychologist. Um, she she had some 
awesome tips, especially for parents uh, working with athletes on on motivation. Um, and then we've had some other people on there, like Aaron Bird is a soccer trainer, uh, and uh, you know people that are are lesser known about how they're making an impact and and what it means to them and the differences they're making. And um, to me, it really you know it, these episodes kind of get you thinking in a slightly different way besides like how many reps and how many sets, you know, kind of stuff. So I, I hope that it's making a difference in that regard. Excellent. Jim, you've written a couple of books. Uh, you have uh, two books on speed and agility, I believe. And then mm-hmm. uh, your latest work is principles of athletic strength and conditioning. Uh, tell us about that book. So that book was, was really, um, challenging and fun to work on. We brought together 17 strength and conditioning coaches from all over the place. A lot of college, uh, like big time college guys, um, NFL coaches and uh, some outstanding high school strength coaches and, and private facility, uh, coaches and put together essentially a textbook of how to train, uh, and develop athletes. So it walks you through step-by-step, um, you know, from anatomy and physiology to, uh, energy system concepts, uh, to warm up program design, speed and agility. And then there's also kind of true to the IYCA, um, philosophy. There's, there's a section on making an impact on kids and Rob Taylor did an awesome chapter on, I think it was called 26 ways to make a, to make a difference or to make an impact and just kind of hit short, uh, short little tidbits of, you know, try this and try this. And, uh, there was a motivation chapter from Ron McKee free. Um, so it wasn't only about sets and reps and, uh, in season versus off season. It was also a little bit about motivation and, um, you know, people are using that you know, in their own training, but there's also, uh, people that are using it as a textbook, uh, to teach college courses. And, uh, it, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a, it's a book like, like none other that's out there because it's got so many different high level coaches as well as, uh, as practical information behind the science. Where can people go get the uh, book right now? Um, right now it's on IYCA.org okay. in the, in the store. Um, it will be out in bookstores, um, and on Amazon starting in probably late January. Um, so if you want to get it soon, you got to, you know, IYCA.org is the only place. And then, uh, we purposely wanted to keep it, uh, just, just on IYCA.org for a while yeah. and it'll get launched into bookstores, uh, should be there end of, end of January or, or early February. Fantastic. Jim, where's the best place to find you online besides IYCA? Um, the next best place is probably if, if you're, if you're local, you can come visit me anytime. So if you're in <laughs> Michigan, uh, you can come to total performance and see me anytime. Um, if you're not local, probably on Jim Uh, it's just my name and there's the only other Jim Kilbasso that I know is my dad and he doesn't have a website cause he doesn't really care about any of this stuff. So, uh, That's so yeah, I'm, I'm fairly easy to find on social media cause, cause I kind of have a strange name. Two more quick questions and then we will wrap this up. This has been fantastic. And what's interesting is there are so many questions that I did not even get to, but I think the content was exceptional. Maybe we'll have to do a part two or something yeah, someday. Yeah, definitely. A <laughs> uh, question I do ask all guests is what is the book that has impacted you the most or the book that you recommend the most to others? Um, wow. That's a great question. Um, there was a book called the on purpose person and I could I can try to remember uh, the name of the author right now as we're talking, but um, it, it was McCarthy. 
McCarthy is the name of the author. The On Purpose Person was a was a gift that was given to me by Gary Gray, who's a physical therapist um, that a lot of people have heard of. And yeah. it, it's essentially a fable. And then it kind of breaks down an exercise. Or it breaks it down into an exercise that helps you gain a better understanding of like what you should be doing and where your focus should be. And uh, it was it was a really, really it was a game changer for me. So I, I recommend, recommend that to anybody that's looking for ways to help kind of stay focused on what they, you know, what their true mission is. Fantastic. I've never heard of that book before. I will uh, check that out. We'll post a link to that in the show notes. Final question. And, um, I guess we'll keep this along the lines of the parent, since we talked a lot about that, the parent that has a youth athlete. And the question is what's the number one takeaway action uh, after hearing the session here today, number one takeaway action, um, I would say, you know, to give your kids every opportunity possible to do as many things as they want to experience, slowly start to narrow things down as they get older, but try not to rush the process. And always keep in mind that um, sports are meant to be fun and there's me- they're meant to have to, you know, to, to have moments where life lessons can be taught. It's not just about playing sports, um, and to enjoy sports for your kids. Uh, I heard somebody say that the best thing you can say to a kid after a sports event is, um, not to talk about the game and to talk about what they should have done or shouldn't have done was just to say, man, I really love watching you play. And that gets kids to kind of enjoy it and then and then stop. You know, I I can tell you I've ruined many car rides um, talking about what my kid should or shouldn't have done um, in a sporting event. And um, I don't know the long term ramifications, but, uh, you know, I know it wasn't a good car ride for anybody. And uh, try to try to get out of your own way as a parent and and realize that sports are are supposed to be about the kid and a, and a whole learning process of being, you know, becoming a, an adult, not, not just about wins and losses and, um, and, and, and just try to try to let them have those experiences rather than trying to control all of them and making it about yourself and what you're going to post on social media and, you know, and that, that kind of stuff. So try to try to keep things about the kids, not you. Jim, I love that. We're going to end on that note. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure, man. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate it. And looking forward to to listening to this. Well, what's funny is what you heard Jim just say there is that he was looking forward to listening to the session. I felt the exact same way after doing this interview. This is an interview that I couldn't wait to listen to, to go back to and listen to. Now, what did I learn during the session? Obviously, I learned a lot about the IYCA and a lot of things that I didn't know existed at the website and really how to use the website and who it's for. So I learned a lot about that during the session. And I really loved Jim's closing advice where he talked about, you know, really just as a parent, just to enjoy watching your kids play the game, enjoy the process and let them know that. So I I really thought that was important and I'm so glad that he said that. So I hope you enjoyed the session. Again, uh, definitely check out the IYCA.org. I know that is a site that I am definitely going to start digging into myself. So uh, thank you for being here this week. And if you are interested in the free video trainings at revolutionstrongsummit.com, please go and register now so that you don't miss those trainings 
they will be uh, expiring at the end of the week on December the 8th. Thanks, guys, and I'll see you next week here on the show. Take care.